Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Wow. <laughs> the Flyers <laughs> the Flyers are the hottest team in hockey, fam. You know, when they went on their little West Coast trip and they beat up on some just garbage teams, it was like, oh, well, that's nice for them. You know, they're better than the worst teams who are losing on purpose, uh, and now they're back, and they're beating good teams. Uh, they shut out the highest-scoring team in hockey. Uh, they beat a Washington team that's been on fire for, like, two months, and here we are, seven points out of the playoffs. <laughs> yep, I'm keeping track at here the halfway. Go. They just passed the halfway point last night, game 42. They beat those Caps, Travis Konechny, uh, one of the leading scorers in hockey. We're going to get to all that and more on today's show, so let's get right into it. Lead things off with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I'm so mad that I like this team again, that I'm enjoying watching them. Like, it makes me so angry, but also, it's fun, uh, uh, so I don't actually hate it, but I hate it. It's, I'm sitting there watching the game with Ava last night, and she's like, they've been doing pretty well, huh? I was like, yeah, for some fucking reason. Like, she sees me <laughs> mad. Like, Travis Konechny puts it. Lawton makes that Mike Richards-esque play Oof. to get the puck to Konechny for the hat trick on the empty net. And she's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I'm like, is it? <laughs> is it, though? But it's very cool, especially for, for content purposes. We actually have things to talk about, so that's fun. There's stuff going on on and off the ice. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, to be clear, I still don't think the Flyers are good. But, but, as someone who is literally required to watch every Flyers game, (laughs) and personally, I watch every Flyers game multiple times, because then I go back and track the games afterwards, it is 
extremely relieving that I am no longer watching a total dumpster fire. Like, I'm not, I don't think they're a good team. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but it is much more enjoyable to watch a not disastrous hockey team versus a disastrous hockey team. So as long as this lasts, and I'll be honest, I don't think this is going to last a lot longer. I think they're probably going to come back to earth, but these last couple weeks have been kind of neat. Not going to (laughs) lie. So last night I found myself thinking while watching, while watching the game against the caps where they're scoring all the goals. I, I had Bill Matz's voice in my head. That's a shame. <laughs> it's, it was terrifying. But you always say, when they're losing, it's just one game. During a blowout loss, it just counts. It's just one game. And that's all I could think during the winning. It's just one game. Well, it's okay if they're going to score eight goals. It's just one game. Well, it's six of seven and eight of 12, though. Like, it's not just one game. It's, it's more than the one it's, game. It's sustained. Now, like, yeah, when they run into Toronto, they get the shit kicked out of them because Toronto's one of the most talented teams in hockey. Yeah. But most teams aren't that good, you know? And if they're suddenly this version of mediocre, I, I don't know. We'll get into it. I have a bunch of stuff to open this, with. This First game was, all, the, the Caps game was, I feel like, a new one. Because, look, I know that in theory, the Buffalo Sabres are better this year. But there's still the Buffalo Sabres. There's still the Sabres. Like, let's be honest. There's still the Sabres. The Caps are actually pretty good. They're not like a cup contender good, but they're like solid playoff team good. And the Flyers, for really about two and a half periods, just kind of took them apart. And I was yeah. like, uh, this torts thing is actually kind of working, huh? Yeah, so yeah. I have a bunch of stupid shit to lead off with, and then we'll get into <laughs> things. Uh, first... I believe I have solved, and by me, I mean one of my colleagues at uh, WIP and I, uh, who will remain nameless because our listeners don't like him, but he's actually like the nicest person at the station. Uh, I think we've solved the Flyers' ownership problem. Josh Harris sells the Devils, buys the Flyers and the Wells Fargo Center, and that fixes both the Comcast and the arena issue. No more 10th and Market, no more Camden. They just remain, the Sixers and Flyers remain at the Wells Fargo Center, and we no longer have Comcast owning the team. Problem solved. Time out. Two birds stoned Time out. No. Time out. You think that Josh Harris is the answer to this team's problems? Why not? Because he's a fucking nightmare disaster is why not. Uh, they're all, like, who, who's the not problematic billionaire out there? Who's, they're all problematic, who's this, so why? Who's but, this? like, why is Josh Harris going to be the answer for the Flyers? So it's we the don't answer break... for all of the other issues, but it's not the answer for the Flyers. As to not break up the sports complex, which is much more. Oh, okay, so, yeah. so you're doing it for other reasons than the Flyers, yeah. because having Josh Harris as the owner of the Flyers does not solve fucking anything. Well, he's not Comcast. That doesn't solve anything. That doesn't mean anything. It means Comcast isn't the problem. It means one of Ed Snyder's pals and one of fucking Bob Clark's pals isn't going to run the team anymore. You don't think that Josh Harris can cozy up with some other rich people? Don't you don't think that he's going to... Josh Harris is not the answer for the Flyers. Josh Harris is the answer for the Sixers. He's not the answer for them. It means nothing to the Flyers. I just would rather not see crypto all the time during Flyers games. Just just saying. Uh, Not not a big fan of the crypto. 
How does Scott Lawton have 12 career goals against the Washington Capitals and no more than five against any other team? 16% of his career goals have come against one of 30 or 31 teams, whatever you want to call it, with, with Seattle and Vegas. But how is it possible that he just kicks the shit out of this one team and is Scott Lawton against everyone else? I actually have an answer to this. Oh. I do. And this is my answer. Scott Lawton, as we know, murder face, you know, he just has that vibe. Scott Lawton, if you remember, in the final game of the 2016 playoff series against the Washington Died. Capitals, yeah. was stretchered off the ice yeah. By a, I don't think it was a dirty was hit, but it was just a really, around. Yeah, it was a really scary hit. This whole thing is just Scott Lawton vowing revenge against the Washington Capitals ever since that hit. It's, it's completely. He wrapped himself around the post. Like he, that was a bad. It was real hit. bad. It was actually one but of the, also... it was one of the scariest moments because I covered that game. It was one of the scariest moments I've ever been in the arena for anything. I think it was that was up there, the time that I believe Michael Roffel passed out on the bench, and then the time— Yes, oh my God, that Neuver. was terrifying. And then the time Neuver passed out in goal. And Neuver. It, those are probably the top three, but like that play with Lawton, like I thought he might be paralyzed. Like It was scary as shit. Yeah. And now it was really scary. He just, he just. I mean, that's a much better answer than what I was going to say. I was going to say that he's a comrade and hates Washington too, but that's a much better answer. <laughs> I think it's all about vengeance, pure vengeance on the part of Scott Lawton. I, it's it's ridiculous. He is what Boston Scott is to the Giants. He is to the Washington Capitals. Uh, finally, I just want to shout out my buddy Frankie and say, "Suck it, Bill is the champion." Uh, Did you so, win your fantasy league too? I did. I finally yeah. did it. Champions. Been... I am as well. Won my oh, title. Congratulations. I have to tell you guys. Charlie. Look at us. Look at all us. Of Who would have thought? Charlie O'Connor is on a fucking hot streak right now. He is winning all of the things, and it's really annoying. <laughs> I love it, and I'm happy for him, but he is winning all of the things. So nine Not minutes. Not against me, though. So Nine minutes in. Well, we can I, I mean, get... most of our listeners probably know who Travis Hughes is, so took him down in the title game. Damn right he did. Good. Good. Uh, So nine minutes in, we can get into the uh, actual show. Um, Like I said at the top, the Flyers have won six of seven, eight of 12. They shut out Buffalo, who came into the game averaging four goals uh, per night. They beat the Caps, who had won 13 of 17 prior to Wednesday. They're now seven points behind Pittsburgh for the second wild card. How should I feel? Like, what... We, we so badly wanted them to be horrible so that they could finally acquire that top-end talent because they can't afford it. Uh, they don't seem to be great at finding the diamonds in the rough in the draft. But suddenly, we're watching Travis Konechny ascend to another level. We're seeing Owen Tippett just rip fucking wrist shots beating goalies Noah Cates is uh, the new Sean Couturier as a 200 foot player like we're just seeing all these things transpire that give you hope about the pieces on this team 
how should we feel right now? Because I'm very torn. Like, I'm enjoying watching them play well, like Charlie said. But also, yeah, in the grand scheme, they still need to bottom out and rebuild. Like, this isn't a championship team, and there's no path towards that. But this is kind of enjoyable. Yeah, so my whole philosophy on why I do what I do, why I work in sports, is to tell people how they should feel. Like, this is why we produce content. We're going to provide you with our insights, our analysis, our opinions, and then you decide how to feel about those things. That's why we don't take callers. We're dictating. That's why we don't take callers. Like, that's that's why I do what I do, and I don't have an answer for you. So, like... My my big picture, right? My big picture is they need to be losing for the health and long-term vitality of this team. On a micro scale, though, I want them to win every game because that's more fun. That's more fun. But they can't, like, they should not be doing this. I I love seeing the kids. Someone asked me last night if I'm if I see a new core forming with Farabee, Frost, and um it must have been Tippett or, or maybe it must have been Tippett. Um, and I was like, I kind of do. And I hate it. Like, I hate it. I don't think that Morgan Frost is a core piece to this team, but Farabee is. Like, not a core. I don't think they have those core pieces, but they have that outer ring. You know, yeah, they have yeah, that that yeah. next layer around, like, some what you build around it. Typically, you'd want the core and then build around that. They need to. They started on the exterior and need to now build the inside. But it's, I, I just, it's very confusing. So I guess I mean I'll bring it down a notch here. Is that do it and and look? I said in my intro, it's fun as someone who has to cover this team, who has to watch this team for a living, to watch them not be terrible and to watch cool stuff happen. That is that is great. And it makes my job personally easier because fans aren't as angry. They actually want to read stories in the team. And there's stuff to write about that isn't just like, I think I said a few weeks ago, it's hard to write articles about games when all the games are the same. Guess what? The games aren't the same anymore. That's great. However, this isn't good. For If, if your goal, if your hope as a fan is for the Flyers to win championships... This is kind of the worst case scenario in that they are too good to bottom out, but not good enough to actually do anything. And this is what we talked about going into the year, which is you hire John Tortorella. He's going to make it so this team isn't bad. And guess what? They don't look bad. They look like they're getting better. The Flyers need high-end talent. Now, maybe, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the show, Maybe Travis Konechny is one of those high-end talent pieces. That is, I, I'm not there yet, but I can't deny that that is now re-entering the, the, that's re-entering the realm of possibility, which is damn cool. But they can't, like, the Flyers are not going to win a cup with Travis Konechny as their best player. Now, maybe they could win a cup with him as one of their top three best players, but he can't be their best player. And Cutter Gauthier looks good. But I don't think Cutter Gauthier is going to be a superstar unless he takes a massive leap in the next couple years. Like he's not that now. He's not. He was on a team 
with a guy named Logan Cooley who would look significantly better than him in the World Juniors. Logan Cooley maybe could be a superstar. Cutter Gauthier right now does not look like that. So they don't have that guy. They need to get that guy. They're not bad enough right now to get that guy in the draft. And they don't have a clear path to getting that guy or a few of those guys, aside from just crossing their fingers and hoping they get lucky in the draft or... You know, another Johnny Goudreau decides he wants to be a flyer in the next couple of years <laughs> over via trade or free agency. And I don't know if that's a real reasonable path to hope for. So this isn't great. And, and there's another thing, too, that is kind of the elephant in the room that, you know, it's not really it's the elephant in the room, but it's also something that people want to talk about constantly. So I'll bring it up because rewind the clock a month here in December. When the Flyers were on that 10-game losing streak, I heard from people who I trust that are close to the situation that Chuck Fletcher is kind of on borrow time here. That there was very little chance he's going to be GM next season. Almost none. And for the first time, I was hearing that, like, yeah, this guy might not survive the season. And if the team keeps losing or the team gets on another skid, that... Comcast might finally be willing to cut the cord here. Yes, that was an intentional pun. However. Yeah. Wait, cut the cord with the Flyers or with Chuck Fletcher? Well, I was more, I said Comcast cutting the cord. With, with, with Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't okay, think Comcast is going to sell the team. But. Well, we started with selling the team, so I had to. Yeah, I'm, that, that's so not even in my realm. That's, to me, that's just a fan pipe dream. They're not selling the team. Yeah. And, and, Agreed. Anyway. The fact that now the Flyers over the last few weeks are doing exactly what Chuck Fletcher hoped they were going to do. Like, this is the pathway for Chuck keeping his job. And I'm not saying this because I want Chuck Fletcher to lose his job personally, but I know most fans do. And this is how he keeps it. So if you're, if what you want out of this team is for A, them to fire Chuck Fletcher, B, them to bottom out and get high-end talent because that's what they lack. This is the opposite of the way that happens. So I think it is totally reasonable for some fans to look at this and be, honestly, for lack of a better word, horrified? <laughs> I, I fully agree that the long-term health of the team is at risk by being, you know, they're what, one game under Hockey 500 now, uh, by being this version of mediocre. However, since they basically told us, now, you know, it's a retool, Charlie, etc. It's a retool, Charlie. Yeah, they didn't retool, but it's a retool. Um, Since they basically told us through their actions that this year isn't going to be about adding superstars, whether it's in the draft or Johnny Goudreau, it's going to be about finding out about the players we already have. They're doing that, and it's going well. Like, if that's the point of this season, and find is. out about the players we already have. It very have, much is. Was not just to keep his own job, but for figuring out that... Was Chuck right to just kind of roll with this team and see how it goes, like, maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't, but we'll find out finally about Morgan Frost. We'll find out finally about some of these guys who've been here a few years, because when we say the kids, like, these aren't, for the most part, 
you know, 18 to 22-year-olds. So we're talking about 23 and 24-year-old guys here that we're finally finding out about because there's no one blocking them. They're here and they're not injured. sink or swim. <laughs> yeah, they're not injured. They're, they're the last men standing. <laughs> they're, they're Except, you know, Wade Allison came back, which was nice. Uh, but, like, was Chuck right? Was he, I, I think that that's a really hard question to answer because, like, was he because right, no, but was yes. he right based? <laughs> no, is the answer like was he right based on if you're Chuck Fletcher and you've you've essentially fused yourself to the idea that this team doesn't need to rebuild? Then yes, he was right because they needed a year to stabilize and figure out if guys like Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee, and Wade Allison, and Tanner Lozinski, and Cam York, and Igor Zamul, and hell, even guys like Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov, you needed to figure out what the hell they actually were. So yes, in that framework, he was right. And in that framework, yes, they are making progress. Because not only have they discovered that some of these guys are good, like, yes, Travis Konechny is legitimately a very good player. Yes, you know... Noah Cates looks legit, and Wade Allison looks legit, and Cam York looks legit. But you've also found out that, hey, we might need to find any way, shape, or form to get out of this Kevin Hayes deal, even if that involves retaining salary. We may need to just give up on the idea that Ivan Provorov is part of the solution here. We'll get to that later. So they are... Giddy, Steph is, when you mention that. They are learning things. (laughs) You saw my face light up? They are learning things. And in that sense, this year has been successful and has gone the way Fletcher has hoped. However, if you still take a step back and look at this team and say, how do they get from being decent to being actually a cup contender, then no, this hasn't succeeded because that's still a serious question. Like, I, I look at this team and Steel I can... underpants, step two, question yeah, like, mark, step three, profit. Exactly. Like, like, I can look at this team and see a path, a very plausible path to them being a bubble playoff team in the next couple years. If Sean Gattari comes back and is still Sean Gattari, if Carter Gauthier is a top six player, you know, if, if they make a couple shrewd trades, yes, I could see them making the playoffs and being a playoff team. I don't see... Unless, like, one of their draft picks shockingly becomes a Drew-esque star and the GM makes a couple amazing trades, I don't see how they become a cup contender. And that, I think, should be the goal. So the answer is kind of yes and no. Yes, according to the Chuck Fletcher framework, this season is going the way he wants it to. However, I still don't see how you go from theoretically good to theoretically awesome. Yeah, it's... And that's... I mean, that's exactly what I think, too. Like, was Chuck right? No. No, he wasn't. And I feel like the Flyers' front office has been relying far too heavily in the last decade on just make the playoffs. Anything can happen. Yes, agreed. Yeah. They, like that's, they've been relying on that way too heavily, which is why they've been happy just being a bubble team. They, they've just accepted that mediocrity is fine because just make it, baby. Anything can happen. And I think that that, at the core, is the mistake of the franchise. If this was the, you know, 
we look back now and like picks three, four, and five were fucking awesome. Kale McCarr, legit superstar. But going in, it was, you know, okay, here's Nolan Patrick. He's not a stud, but he's a, a good piece. And okay, Nico, he, he sheer pops up, and he's going to be a nice player for you. A good 2C, those two guys were supposed to be. But not a generational draft by any means. If this was thought of as the 2017 draft and not, oh man, uh, Bedard's fucking great, and the top three are all franchise players. Would it? Would he be right in a different year, a different circumstance? Like, all right, since that's not worth it, tanking, because we're not going to get as much out of it, is it smarter to find out about what we have and go from there? And then suddenly we're going to have these pieces, we'll know whether they're good or not, and then maybe we can shed some salary like Kevin Hayes and Ivan Provorov and go buy somebody. And then suddenly we do have the pieces we, we need. The, the short answer I have is yes, but not necessarily in the way you're thinking. Because to me, like, to me, one of the benefits of doing what they've done this year isn't even necessarily that, like, for example, and again, we're going to have a conversation about connecting, I think, soon, but Travis connecting. It's not necessarily, man, Travis connecting needs to stay. He's the core guy. It's just as much. Man, if we would have traded Travis Connecting last offseason in an attempt to tank, man, that would look like a shitty deal now. Now, <laughs> if you want to sell him, you're going to get a hell of a lot more. And, like, you know, you can still be in a rebuilding mentality while emphasizing rebuilding the value of some of the players that you could then trade to rebuild the organization. So let's get to TK here. Uh, what's, what's up, Steph? Well, it's just that if that was the plan, and it's not to, to be clear, see what we have. Like to be clear, it's the their. Am I muted? I'm not. Their, their no, plan no, no, is no. I, I was just jumping in. Like to be clear, that their plan is not to like improve these guys so they can trade them. Their plan is to improve these guys so they can improve. Right. So, like, if that was the plan, see what they have and and be competitive. They should have got Johnny Goudreau. Like, that is negligence. Chuck Fletcher was not right. Like, nothing that he did this offseason was signing Johnny Goudreau, who wanted to come here at a discount. Imagine this team, as they're rolling right now, with Johnny Goudreau. We would be having a completely different conversation. Yeah. I do think that's basically the 2016 team. Like, he's Giroux. Konechny is Voracek. And like you have a decent goalie, yeah, maybe that's that's they're basically twenty sixteen, no yeah, maybe. But but if you look at it now, like like what was the big thing that Chuck Fletcher told us in the off season as to why they couldn't get Goudreau? It was basically it Doesn't was too fit the time it was too hard, and we couldn't clear the cap space. Well, you know, it's so you know hard when, to be a general manager of an NHL franchise. It's so hard. You know who he could have traded to clear the cap space? I'm not talking James Van Riemsdyk. I'm talking Ivan Provorov, and he didn't, and now he's finding and now out. Gonna do it anyway. uh, they're going to do it anyway, and they're going to sell low on him anyway. So it's like, well, if you would have had the vision to be like, we need to cut bait with this guy now, you could have done that and replaced him with Johnny Goudreau. I, you just put me in a. I was in a <laughs> mood, Charlie, and then I connected those dots as you were putting the lines yep. between them, and I was like, son of a bitch. No, 
No! <laughs> we should have gotten rid of Ivan Provorov like, two seasons imagine, ago. Just imagine the like the Provorov and Ristolainen and money. That's one Goudreau and like yeah. another guy. Yeah. Like another shit guy. One Goudreau and one extension for Claude Giroux. Yeah. There you go. Oh, I'm good on Giroux. Um, I, I know. Like there's a whole lot of things that he could have done to make this team better this year. And he didn't do it. Chuck Fletcher was not right. That's all I want to say. Chuck now, Fletcher was not right. And that's, I, like, I'm asking this question, and it's, you know how I always say, even if I disagree, if I can see your logic, at least I can go, okay, it's a plan. I obviously know he doesn't have a fucking plan, because look at what this team is. Noah, <laughs> Noah Cates is the one, he's the <laughs> one C. Like, they, there's no... Listen, Noah Cates is awesome, but he is no... I like him a lot! Exactly. exactly. He's a, a real nice piece. I can't wait till he's a third-line left-winger on this team. Super duper. Right now, he's your 1C, and he's not a center. Like, you know, there's no plan, and that's obvious. Or at the very I'm least, he's not a first-line center. Maybe he's a center, but it would Maybe. be, like, a third-line center. Maybe. You know, we, we've had a lot of guys we've called third-line centers who are, like... Yeah, maybe, but they're actually they're like fourth line. Whatever. Yeah, we don't need to we don't need to debate Noah Cates. Good for him. Happy he's getting his experience. Hope he's around a long time as the next Scott Lawton or whatever. Cool. Uh, TK now. Travis Konechny. Last week we came to the conclusion that although this is nice, what's going on with him? And while maybe no, he's not your next G, maybe he could be your next Voracek if you wanted to hold on to him. Ultimately, it's probably for the best still if we were to trade him for a big old haul considering the season he's having. We are at game 42 for the Flyers, just one game over the halfway point. Konechny has now tied, in 36 games played, his career high with 24 goals with his hat trick last night. He's tied for the seventh seventh highest goal total in the league. He's top 10 overall. He's scoring goals and points at a better rate than Kaprizov, uh, do you do you still want to trade him? I never wanted to trade him. I never wanted to trade him because I think it is heart. He is he is a flyer. I made a joke when the season started to Kelly. I made a joke that Travis Konechny was going to have a huge season because he's got a baby at home and he's a baby himself. So he's going to want to be at the rink all the time. I, I that was a joke that I made. It's going to be his. First, I'm not comfortable being a father, so I need to dedicate myself to hockey season. This is his golf. And I just... <laughs> this is his golf. Yes, this is his golf. <laughs> I just think it's, it's funny that it's playing out that way. I don't actually think that Travis Konechny hates being a father, but it was a joke. I don't ever want to trade him because you're going to need a player like Travis Konechny if it's five years from now. Is it best for him but and his development? Nope. Five years but, from now, Travis Konechny be, is going to be 30, right? Exactly. Yeah. That was what I was going to say, yeah, 30. He'll be 30. I, I think... What is he? He's... Yeah, he's 25. 25. 25 going on 26. 26 in March. Yeah, he's 25 going on 26. I think... I mean, look, I'm going to hold to what I said last week, which is the fact that it would hurt so much to trade Travis Konechny now is probably the best justification for why they should trade Travis Konechny now. Yeah, that said, I mean, I'm it. not rush. Like, I wouldn't trade him at the deadline. Like, you know, if you're going to move him, I'd move. I try to drum up a market and sell him for as much as I possibly can in the offseason. But 
yeah, this is the epitome of a sell high. Like, this is, this is what you do when you have a guy who turns 26 in March, who is up for a contract when he's 28. You're, like, you have two more years after this of, even if this is the real Travis Konecki, and I wrote a story on the Athletic.com today saying basically, like, we need to ask the question if this is the real Travis Konecki. If actually what happened, which seems plausible, is... The 2019-2020 version of Travis Konechny was a real legitimate breakout. Then he got stuck in his own head because he didn't score a goal in the weirdest playoffs ever, came back into one of the weirdest seasons ever, and then the team fell apart, and then he just kind of got all screwed up, and now he's basically just picking up right where he left off before everything went crazy. That could be what happened. He might actually be not... 20 points in 10 games good but like legitimately point per game good that might be this guy and that's really freaking cool and I am really happy for him however you've only got two more years of Travis Konechny dramatically outperforming his contract while he's in his prime and then you're gonna have to give him if this is really Konechny nine million bucks a massive contract at age 28 and that's right around the time when like the team is hopefully starting to turn the corner. But there's not going to be like, at age 28, the Flyers aren't going to be a cup contender. They're going to be like, you know, maybe they're making the playoffs, but they're just like one of those, like they're the Kings. Where it's like, hey, they're a fun team. Maybe in a couple years, they could be a great team. That might be where the Flyers are when they have to re-sign Konechny, which means then, by the time he's, by the time the Flyers are maybe a great team, then he's 30. And then you're looking at the bad years of his contract. So from a timeline standpoint, it still makes more sense to sell high on a guy who is playing out of his mind good right now and probably is having a career season. So as much as it kills me because I love what I've seen out of Konechny this year, and I'm coming around on the idea that this might really be Travis Konechny, my negative view of where the organization is right now still tells me that objectively it makes more sense to sell high on the guy. Well, since it makes more sense to sell high on him, he is the next captain. <laughs> I still think it's going to be Lots. He might be. I, I think Torts loves, it still be. Torts I loves Lawton be so much, I think Lawton's the guy. I just, like, I see, you know, yeah, maybe that 2019-20, but this version of Konechny, the guy they have killing penalties, this is, this is the John Tortorella creation. Yeah. Like, this could be his next great success story. Like you said, this could be his Cam Mackinson. Yeah, exactly. Th- and I think that's how they're viewing it. score 40-some goals. Like, uh, I have, and I'm going to say, like, I have trouble letting go of TK, and you just said that's what makes it a good idea. And I agree. I know. I just, man, we've been waiting for something to call our own for so yeah. long. Yeah. And we have it, and he's not having a career-altering back surgery, or he's not 34 <laughs> years old. You better uh, knock on wood right now. He's not 34 right years old and is on an expiring contract. Like, he's he's here, and it's happening. And But, yeah, they they do need to do it. L- do let me, let me put it to Like, this offseason, do you think opening night next season, Travis Konechny is a Philadelphia Flyer. Like, yes. not what they should do, yes. what yes. they will do. I think they are absolutely going yep. to keep Travis Konechny. I think the smarter thing would be to trade him. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Torts loves the guy. I think 
you know, regardless of whether Chuck Fletcher still has his job or not, I I think he's staying. I think they're just going to like him too much, and I just don't see it. I think it's this—and, and, you know, to be totally honest with you, like, as much as I think it's the smarter move to trade him, like, I'm not going to rake the Flyers over the coals if they keep Travis connected because I get it. I get it. You know what? You, you suffered with him. You you believed in this guy. You didn't trade him when everybody said you should. When people on Twitter acted like he was just like pond scum for a season and a half. <laughs> pond scum. Like I get why you're just like you know what this guy is a freaking flyer. I want him to retire as a flyer because he just screams Philadelphia and everybody loves him. I get it, and I'm not gonna begrudge them having a little bit of sentimentality here. That said, I still think the smarter move is to trade him. And when just when you look at all of the assets that Holmgren and Hextall, uh, you know, how much they put into the draft, how much stock they put into the draft, all these guys, and none of them turned out. Farabee, okay, and that could still go. That could still go well. Um, he's your maybe one success story from this era. And now he's going to be gone. I was just going to say, he's a hackstall pick, and they he kept all of those all of those uh, draft picks just to get us Travis Konechny. Like that was a success from Ron Hextall. However, I don't trust Chuck Fletcher to get the appropriate return for him. Like there's a whole well, that's di- fair. A whole lot of layers. Here. That is fair, and and that's a point that that some people have made. A lot of people made that, and I think we're going to talk about this guy after we take a break. But when I when the the rumors this week started swirling about Ivan Provorov, one of the most frequent comments I got when I wrote my story about why it kind of makes sense for them to trade Ivan Provorov, it was, I agree with you. This makes sense. Chuck Fletcher can't be the person who trades Ivan Provorov. And it's because Chuck yeah. Fletcher is, has lost the, the faith of the entire fan base at this point. No one trusts him anymore. Although, and we'll get it just as an aside, um, Giroux trade looking maybe not that bad. That's fair. Yeah, that's not looking to But no, I don't bad. trust him and like I want him fired. So, but I'm just saying. And I also, maybe like, it in could fairness, work. In fairness to Chuck, which I hate that I'm this person, but in fairness to I Chuck, can't believe you just said those words in that order. I I I know. Um, he is not one hundred percent the only person calling the shots in the organization. There's, I mean, the I tribunal. gotta believe. <laughs> no, I, I just the tribunal. That's that's I, as much as I'm gonna say right now. There is a tribunal that is directing Chuck in in various places and he listens which is his responsibility and his fault i have we've uh, you know and maybe uh, he's just an imbecile uh but i have to believe he's somewhat smart and he know it's not him that doesn't want to rebuild now maybe it's him too maybe he agrees but his directive is to not do that. Maybe that he shares that, vi- that maybe he shares that vision. Uh, but it's not like Chuck goes to whoever and says, no, 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 you're wrong. 
we need to keep this thing going. Like, that's not what's I, going. I think, let me put it this way. I think Chuck Fletcher's hesitance to rebuild is less about the intelligence of the idea of rebuilding and more about the self-preservation is knowledge that if the Flyers rebuild, Chuck Fletcher ain't going to be the guy who does it. Which, yeah, okay. And we've talked, we talked about that quite a bit last week. We have to take a break. We're close to like 40 minutes already, and we're a third of the way through this outline. Um, I want to do the Provorov stuff on the other side. I'm making Steph wait through the break to get to Provorov because she's been like jumping out of her skin to do it since we started. So uh, commercial and then Provorov and all that stuff. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back, fam. Uh, so if you're the least bit plugged in to the Philadelphia Flyers, Flyers Twitter, the hockey world, you know that on the 32 Thoughts podcast, the consideration of trading Ivan Provorov, a change of scenery, a parting of these uh, two... A parting of the parties. I didn't want to say that, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> that there's going to be a divorce at some point, potentially in the near future, um, on the 32 pots, uh, 32 thoughts pod. It was said everything is on the table over the next six to 18 months, which is quite a time frame. Uh, six to triple that months. Uh, but. <laughs> It makes sense because we know they're not close and they're going to have to continue to... Well, six months from now is the draft and the trade deadline, and then 18 months will be next year's draft yeah. and t- trade yeah, deadline. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like it's, it's gonna, this is a long-term process, whether you want to call it a rebuild, a retool, figuring the fuck out, whatever. Over the next six to 18 months, everything is on the table. And when I first read the quotes, I was like, How are we in the just realizing this phase? And then I listened this morning, and it was more, like, they know, but that's the time frame of when you're actually going to be able to make moves. Now, you can do it whenever. There's no law against it. Yeah. Uh, But that's kind of when things will go down, especially bigger moves. I guess you could trade, like we said, you could trade TK in season, but why? I think you'd get more for him in the playoff or in the postseason or off season. Third try is a charm there. <laughs> uh, like, what the fuck is going to happen with Ivan Provorov? It, it, I asked, and we all kind of think he's that Travis Konechny is going to be a flyer to start next season. That seems like a real low end possibility with Ivan Provorov. I think he's on the way out. Um, so, so kind of to give some background on this, this whole thing kicked off. I started hearing things on Sunday. I think this is around the time that Elliot Friedman started hearing things too. There was a rumor that went around that Mark Gandler, who is Ivan Provorov's agent, was in town to talk to Chuck Fletcher about Ivan Provorov. Now, I 
chased that down. I basically reached out to both parties. Both parties on the record said that wasn't true. That 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 while they talk regularly, that Gandler did not come to see Chuck. Now, they might be lying. I'm not going to take that at face value. But, like, that was what sparked all this. However, the more digging I did, it became clear that there's smoke here. That basically what it boils down to, I don't think this is as simple as Ivan Provorov has told the Flyers, I want out, trade me. I don't think it's that straightforward. What I do think, though, is that Ivan Provorov has made it clear via his representation and probably via himself that there are a lot of things about this situation that he don't like. One such thing is that, yet again, he's not getting regular power play time. Another thing is that he doesn't think this team plays a skilled enough game. He doesn't think that they are a forward-thinking, on-ice team. Number three is that, quite, he's not quite frankly, he's sick of losing. Which, you know what? I get. I totally get that. Same, bro. And then the unspoken thing that I don't <laughs> think he brings up, but that everyone knows, is that he's not exactly Mr. Popularity in that locker room. No, we've so, been hearing that for quite some time. Yes. So. And other teams know it. Fully aware. Everyone's aware. So. I think this is just getting to a point where Provorov is clearly not that happy. Not to the point where he's like, I'm demanding to be traded. Like, this isn't fucking Slapshot, trade me right fucking now. But. Yes, Charlie, yes. He doesn't love it here. And the Flyers are at the point where I made this, this point of comparison in my article on Provorov earlier this week. The similarities and parallels between Konechny and Provorov are striking in that they were drafted the same year, they made the NHL the same year, they both had their apparent breakout season in 2019-2020, they, they followed it up with two underwhelming seasons, and the Flyers, rather than look to bottom out this offseason, which probably would have involved trading both Provorov and Konechny for futures, and basically being like, we're going to suck we're going to trade away our top of the lineup guys and we're just going to suck. They didn't do that because they're like, we want to give these guys both one more look. Well, Travis Konechny looks awesome. Ivan Provorov looks the exact same as he's looked the past two years. And I think the Flyers are just like, if it's not working under Tortorella, I don't think it's going to work under anybody because he's had so many coaches. This is just what he is. He's not happy here anyway. So why don't we actively look to try to maybe find him a new home. That's where I think this is at right now. Is, and we're going to get to more serious stuff, but was Matt Niskanen the best player of all time? <laughs> he must have been. Like, at this point, this motherfucker he must was have Bobby been Orr and no Jesus one knew it. on skates. It's, it's astounding. It's astounding I've, how how good he made Ivan Provorov look. Now, uh, um, Provy will turn 26 on Friday, January 13th. Uh, his birthday's coming up. He's got the rest of this year and two more at, I think, 6.75 mil. He set, just looking back over the roller coaster we've been on with Ivan Provorov, set a career high with over uh, half a point a game in the pandemic-shortened 69, nice game season in 2019-20. His rate has fallen in each of the last three years. It went from uh, 0.52 to 4.6 to 3.9 and now 3.4. 
by expected goals, and maybe this changed last night. I think I did it before uh, the most recent game, but it, it was up to date before that. Expected goals for percentage. He's the Flyers' sixth best defenseman in that statistic. 42.5% uh, trailing York, who's almost 50. Sealer, who's almost 50. Braun, who's about 49. Sanheim, who's about 47, and Ristolainen at 46. He's below all those guys. Now, we know he plays those tough matchups, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Eustace uh, plays but, a role, but it's not great. Yeah. No, it's real bad. He's on the ice for, like, way more expected goals against than four for a team that's, like, breaking even amongst their other defensemen. He's the worst. I mean, even look at last night's game. You know, the Flyers were real good last night's game, but there were two big mistakes. One, Carter Hart bailed him out. The puck hops over his stick and Alex Ovechkin. Alex freaking Ovechkin gets a breakaway in the first period. Hart makes that save. Then, in the third, they're up 4-1, and Provorov just, like, passes the puck in the defensive zone to the other team. What the fuck was... He should be on the half wall on the power play? Maybe that's the spot for him. That was a great centering pass. Found the man right in the slot. <laughs> Just happened to be goddamn the other team. With no one... I don't know if I've ever seen something that egregious. Like, truly directly passed it to an opponent in front of his own net. It wasn't like a tip pass or anything that went awry. He just passed it to him. I don't know if I've ever seen that. It was real what? bad. Like, is he is he trying to, like, did he do it on purpose? Does he hate the Flyers that much? What happened? I don't think, I mean, I certainly don't think that's the case. However. No, I don't actually think that happened. However, I mean, look, a lot of these, these issues stem from the fact that Provorov doesn't, like, he doesn't respond well to criticism. He never really has. And he makes mistakes that he doesn't really think were his fault. And that's part of I don't of know the, whose that could be. But, but like, like compare this, compare him <laughs> to Konechny again. Konechny yeah. talked about, first Tortorella talked about it yesterday, and then Konechny talked about it even more, about the fact that, like, Konechny wasn't scoring goals. It was real frustrating to everybody. Konechny, it was real frustrating to him too. So what did he do? He met with Danny Briere and the analytics department, did a ton of work into why the hell I'm not scoring goals, and guess what? Lo and behold, he's scoring goals again. Ivan Provorov, I don't think, has that same kind of like self-awareness to recognize that he's playing this poorly. And that's a problem. And I actually, I still believe in his talent. I think, just think he's in desperate need of a change of scenery. I don't think it's going to work here. Now, when you say you believe in his talent, uh, he's right now playing the lowest uh, time on ice he has since his rookie year. He's not that 26-minute guy anymore. When you say you believe in his talent, do you believe in his talent as a not maybe not one but top pair defenseman or as more of a role player yeah like, i would say i think what he needs his ideal situation would be he gets moved to a team with a clear cut no doubt about it bona fide number one who like even ivan Provorov can't believe he's better than and then he can more naturally settle in to the role he should have been playing all along and then 
play on a team that wins games, so he generally doesn't feel like he has to do everything, which he seemingly feels like he has to do now, and hopefully gets him a better partner, which, for all the criticism we give Ivan Provera, the Flyers have failed miserably oh, at getting him a partner. It's been an embarrassment. I mean, Chuck Fletcher thought that Tony D'Angelo was a good idea to give him as a partner. Yeah, that's I don't want to talk about that. That's worth it's, real well. It's while, and this came up on, on 32 Thoughts, like, is it him or is it the organization? Like, we can throw all the criticism in the world at Ivan Provorov, and it's mostly deserved. The, uh, the answer to that question is yes. It's Yes, both. Uh, yeah. That's, like, it's both. We can, it's, it's six of one, a half dozen can, of the like, other. We both. know he's got the attitude problem. We know he makes the mistake. All the shit is true. And also, he's at least a good player who they have not helped. Yeah, I will 100%. have to laugh, though. I will have to laugh, though, like... Claude Giroux must hear, like, oh, Ivan Provorov thinks he has to do everything, and just Giroux must sit there and laugh. Like, oh, I did it for a fucking decade. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me Michael Roffel. Join the goddamn club. Uh, <laughs> I was an MVP candidate. I just uh, think it, it's just... I, I, I think the Flyers see the writing on the wall here. He only has, just like Konechny, he only has two more years left on his deal after this one. And I think they realize that, like, even if the Flyers viewed Ivan Provorov as highly as Ivan Provorov views Ivan Provorov, what's clear is that Ivan Provorov isn't that happy here, and if he's not that happy here, why would he resign? And if he's not going to resign, even setting aside everything else, if you don't think he's going to resign in two years, why not move him now and get something for him? Yeah, like, they're not going to be good. Like, okay, get these two years out of him. Why? They're not going to be good. Like, yeah, exactly. even, like if, he, if he rebounds to become the player we think maybe is still in there, what's the point? And, like, and okay, that makes, them, that makes them two games better. And, you know? and you've got other guys. Like, like, look, I know the big argument against trading pro for years has been, well, who's going to take his minutes? Look, for the, last, for the last two years, Ivan Provorov has been a number three caliber defenseman who's been a number one just because they don't have anybody else to take the minutes. Travis Sanheim could do that too. Like, do I think Travis Sanheim yeah. will, will thrive as a number one? No, but he can at least do what Provorov's done the last two years. Again, Noah Cates is the 1C. This shit don't matter. <laughs> and None of it matters and, and, this and season. Then, yeah. Go ahead, Seth. I've just been beating this drum for like two years now. Ivan Provorov is not a number one defenseman. He's got really bad attitude problems. If if we're trying to revitalize this team, he's got to go. Yeah, He's got to go. And the biggest problem facing Chuck Fletcher is that the other teams in the league know that he's got an attitude problem. They know that he's a little... Not not necessarily an attitude problem, but they know that he's a little whiny and a little bit of a piss baby. They know at the very least. I don't even know if I would, like, I think Provorov has some self-awareness issues. That said, I don't know if it's an attitude problem so much as, like, other teams know he doesn't work here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I think, I don't think he's looked at as a guy who, like, well, man, if we bring him in, he's going to be a malcontent. I think other teams just look at it as, well, he's not clicking personality-wise in Philly, so why are we going to, like, toss Chuck Fletcher a life preserver? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because that's the way the NHL works. Does it? God damn it. It doesn't when, seem when like does it does for Chuck. 
When does the collusion I mean, ever work? Why can't we be the team that benefits from the collusion? God damn it. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, send him to Nashville. They've done okay with trades with the Flyers. Send him to Nashville. Have They've they? got a lot of defensemen ahead of him. So maybe. But yeah, going back to the, the situation in the depth chart, like, okay, so you get rid of Provorov, you move Konechny up into that role. You have Cam York, who Same at the up. very least looks like a, num- like a second pair defenseman. And then you've got Igor Zamula and Emil Andre that are kind of coming. Like, there is a logjam here. And one thing that I was told when I was doing the digging early this week on the Provorov situation, and I'll be honest, I even as a Travis Sanheim fan, I have been very critical of the contract extension he was given because I think it's batshit insane to give him an eight-year It's deal. fucking ridiculous. I still hold to that. However, what I was told was that the willingness to give Travis Sanheim that contract was absolutely linked to the knowledge internally that Ivan Provorov probably isn't going to be here that much longer. And while it doesn't make me like the contract, it does make me understand it a bit more. And from what I was told, that's also that was also the impetus, and I've said this before, for the Ristolainen extension. I just have to... But that was last year. You know, we talked about with TK, you know, the number of misses and, like, parting with one of your actual success stories. And I just have to think, remember when the future of the blue line, they they drafted Shane Gossesbear in 2012, Moran and Haig in 2013, Sanheim in 14, and Provorov in 15. So Provorov's on his way out. Haig was traded for Risto. Moran's retired. Ghost got traded for literally nothing. Less than nothing, actually. And Sanheim's going to be here for a decade. Like, one out of five. (laughs) Not even just turned out. Just still part of the organization in like a month. It's truly the way this thing played out. Like, thinking about, you know, we went, I, I went back and listened to the archives when we were getting ready for that 300th episode. My God. I'm glad there's no time travel, and I can't go back and tell that Bill and ruin his fucking next five years. Like, I'm glad. I would love I don't, to do. I can't tell him. You know what we should do? Because I've seen these types of YouTube videos where it's like, like, basically like, having a conversation with yourself before the pandemic. Like you have like post pandemic self talking to pre pandemic self and being like, well, all these great things are going to happen. It's like, yeah, you, you sweet summer child. I would love to do one of those videos for the flyers. <laughs> like have like, you know, 2023 bill talking to 2017 bill. And you can dress like 2017 bill too. Like that'd be fun. I'm dressed like 2017. That's bill true. Right you now. really haven't changed your, your wardrobe. <laughs> You're, you're not wrong. Either. I'm pretty sure my the shirt that I'm wearing is from 2017. Honestly, I would um, probably have the biggest shift because I've I've shaved and changed my hair and lost weight. So the hair looks great. I miss the beard. Um, I miss the beard. So I, I wanted to really the the Provorov stuff, and I've listed just like all of the notable defenseman trades that I could think of off the top of my head. Really, we don't have to like go through them because that's pointless. Look them up, people. Uh, but just to get an idea of what a realistic return for Ivan Provorov could be, like, we're talking about the idea of trading, uh, selling high on Travis Konechny because, man, he's on pace to uh, 
you know, score a million goals. He's already reached his career high. What could we possibly get for Ivan Provorov at this depressed value now? You know, this is something people have asked me this. I haven't dug into comparables yet. I really yeah. haven't. I haven't had the chance. And it's real hard. To, to me, that's a separate article because it's a unique situation. He's got two more years left on his deal, so he's not a rental. Like, a lot of these guys that you that you brought up, you know, Risto was a rental. You know, I, I'm trying to think who else. Like, Seth Jones was a rental who they then immediately signed to an they extension. They had to give him that con. Yeah. Like, Tony D was a restricted free agent. Like, these aren't apples to apples comparisons i'd have to go back and see what an apples to apples comparison would be like niskanen is kind of an apples to apples comparison except niskanen was a lot older that's the yeah, only he's 10 thing. years older yeah he was a lot older so like that's a big difference so i don't know like i'd like to think that if you get some teams in the bidding like look the fact that you got a first round pick for Ristolainen, just because he was a big minutes guy who hit a lot as a rental like, I'd like to think you could at least get a first for Provy. Right? You'd have Has to think, to be. right? Like, it like is defensemen the... are so valuable, man. It's, I mean, totally different, like, when you're talking about comparables, but the Giroux future first, a conditional pick, player who might be something, like, is that a framework? I could see that. I, I think it, uh, it all, a lot of it also depends on, like, who is interested, how many teams are interested, what kind of market. Like, what I said on Twitter is that I would generally want futures. I would be willing to do, like, a, like, trade pro overall for an under-23 guy who has yeah. high upside but hasn't quite clicked. And, like, some people are like, well, can you, can you trade for, like, Lafreniere? No. Like, let's, let's, let's pull back a little bit on expectations here. But there are guys, like... I'm talking, like, the way that, like, Kevin Fiala was in Nashville. Like, that's the type of dude maybe you could get back for a pro for all. And then Fiala explodes in Minnesota, and now he looks like a real, real good player. Maybe you could find one of those guys for pro. I wouldn't hate that. And I, I don't think that that would be a bad return for him. I also haven't looked into the comparables or, or even what's it's, going on with other defensemen in the league. Comparable really... finding comparable defenseman trades was tough. Also, maybe it's just because I'm, you know, Philly centric here. Uh, but I looked up a lot of shit, like 80% of the notable defenseman trades are involved. The flyer. <laughs> Beautiful. Of course. And the blue line um, is fucking horrible. They've tried. They failed, but they've tried. They sure have tried. <laughs> they've tried poorly. Like, yeah. they weren't even good, except for Niskanen, apparently. Well, and, and honestly, the Ellis trade was good. It just ended up being it's a disaster. It's a great trade. It just <laughs> turns out, yeah, when you get a great player for two bums, it's because that great player's body doesn't work. Like... <laughs> There's a reason they gave him to you for nothing, because he can't play. Uh, I know we're working on a little time constraint with Steph. If you have to bail, bail. But I want to get to the goalie stuff while you're here. Um, cool. So I talked about the uh, the shutout. The Samuel Ersan shuts out the Buffalo Sabres, who were averaging four goals How a game. How about that for him? Four goals a game they came in, uh, averaging highest scoring team in the league. It was the Flyers' first shutout since November of 2021. Uh, like, absolutely freaking insane. 
four of the last five flyer shutouts have come against Buffalo, which is very crazy. I mean, that makes uh, sense because Buffalo has been bad for so long. I'm just, but like, and the other one was against Arizona. These are just horrible teams. Wow. Yeah, right. Uh, it's just funny that they've had five in the last three years and four of them are against Buffalo. Uh, but Urson, 23 years old, he's 4-0-0 with a... 924 save percentage, obviously five games, not exactly a huge sample, but he's looked real good. Felix Sandstrom, down on his conditioning stint, he has looked good for the Phantoms. He stopped 83 and 90 shots in three games in Lehigh Valley. Carter Hart, though, and happy birthday, Felix Sandstrom, turns 26 today, January 12th. Uh, Carter Hart, 24 years old, we know how he started the season. First eight games, 6-0-2, 946 save percentage, one game with a sub-900 save percentage. Last 22 games, 889 save percentage, 15 of those 22, he had a sub-900 save percentage. What is Hart doing? I think he's been fine, like, honestly. He's been fine? I, 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 I think he that, hasn't been... I, to me, it's just that, like people didn't quite understand just how unreal oh. he was to start the year. Like, the Flyers still give up a lot of scoring chances. And, oh, yeah. like, his save percentage, while it doesn't look good over the last 22 games of first glance, my guess is that his expected save percentage is around that point. Like, the Flyers give up a lot of bad shit. And right now, he's just been fine. And also, look around the league. Everybody's save percentages more. are down. Everybody's scoring a lot more, yeah. Yeah. Save percentages are down. Like it's not like okay, everyone's at nine twelve. The some good ones are at nine eighteen, and there's like five guys over nine twenty. Like it's not that. It like there's there's some real bad goaltending going on, or a lot of real good scoring. I, and I, I Bill, just, I also I agree with the point you made about are they working him maybe a little too hard? Because that's what I wanted to get to. I do think that there is. This is based on the conversation I've had with Torts and kind of what I into it is his sort of approach to Hart. There have been a couple times where, like, Hart has, has had a bunch of games in a row, and I will ask, I've asked Torts, like, do you think you're using him too much? And Torts kind of bristles at it, and he's like, you know, I think, you know, when goalies read that in the media, they can start believing that they're, they're tired, but they're not actually tired. Well, what in, invariably has happened after I've asked that question is that then, a game later... He's sat for a little bit, and then, lo and behold, he comes back and he plays better. I think this season, in part for Tortorella with Hart, is Tortorella figuring out just how far he can push Hart before Hart gets tired. And I think that's probably hurting Hart's numbers, but it's giving Tortorella more information about Hart, and that's more important to Tortorella than figuring out what he has in Hart because he already has decided he has a good one in Hart. I think that's what's going on here. And that's... Uh, when I say, you know, the the point of this season is figuring shit out. It apparently wasn't about winning, so they didn't go and, you know, get Johnny. It wasn't about tanking and getting high-end draft picks, because they, they, they're not doing that. It, it was about <laughs> figuring out what you have, and with Hart, we know he's good. We know he's at least good. You know, maybe he's a star, maybe he's just okay, like, good starter, but... Figuring out if he's that 65-game workhorse or if he's a 1A, you know? And personally, at this point, I'm thinking, what's the reason to push Hart? But thinking big picture, 
we if he's a guy who's been banged up and hasn't had this opportunity, he gets these bumps and bruises and nicks and cuts along the way, it's good to know before we give him the franchise goalie contract that he's going to play 50 games, not 65. You know, does that make sense? Or maybe we don't break down his joints prematurely. It's a fair point. It's actually a legitimately fair point. Maybe we just don't lean on the future goaltender of the franchise when there's no point to winning yeah, games. Yeah, there, there's an element to that where, like, there's only so many games a goalie can play before he breaks down because it's an extremely demanding physical position. And we've seen it happen with all of our goaltenders, every single fucking It's a one. reasonable point. What? You didn't like starting Brian Elliott every game the month of December? Uh, oh, God, you know, I forgot about that one. I did not. Never forget. I did Never not forget. appreciate that. I also did not appreciate when Anthony Stolarz was leaned upon and then got hurt. Like, this is this is a trend, and I don't want to see it happen with Carter Hart. I mean, that's it. There's no reason to be playing so hard in these games. We've got two backups. We need to figure out what they are before we figure out what Carter Hart well, is. Like, we know, we know. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine, and I think we know he's at least good, like I said. But this is more a Twitter talking point than, I think, reality. But is there a possibility they believe Ersan is as good as Hart? I think they are. So, the short answer is no. But, like, also, goalies are weird, so you never know. I think you they... Don't, yeah. yeah, I think they're real high on Ursa. I really do. So the way... He apparently prefers to be called Sam, not Samuel. And the okay. correct way to pronounce his last name is Erson. So Sam... What am I saying? You're saying Erson. It's Erson. Erson. Sam Erson. That is his preferred pronunciation of his name. All right. Um, Fair enough. I am very much, and this this shout out goes to Olivia from the Inquirer. I really want people to uh, to to for number one for Arison to be real good, but then for him to be so good that we start putting up shirts that can say "I'm an Arison person." That would be awesome. Love that, great pun. Anyway, I think they're real high on Arison. I do. I I think that they believe he could potentially be a starter in this league. Um, and he looks great so far, and Torts loves him. So he's very much in the mix. Like, the tough thing is I think they also like Sandstrom. They like him as a backup, and they're afraid they'll lose him on waivers. That's why they did this whole— Is he getting claimed? You know what? I don't think so, but I guess you never know. And they don't want to risk it. But Arison looks legit. He looks legitimately like a good goalie. And he's, this shouldn't come as a major surprise to anyone who was paying attention to what he was doing in Sweden. I mean, the guy had a historically great year a few years back in the second-tier league, in the second-tier pro league in Sweden. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one. It starts with an A. Anyway, then his last year in the SHL, yeah, if you looked at his save percentage, you're like, ah, it's like a 9-10, not that great. His team, Brinos, was fucking awful he was the like he was the only thing keeping them from giving up eight goals a night they were so bad and if you actually watch was that oscar Lindblom's team i mean yeah it was but he wasn't on that team he, that was long after Lindblom came just over. the club it was the club like yeah no the, the club, club the, yes, the name yes, that's all yes, I'm asking. um they were awful the, the amount of quality chances they were giving up was truly mind-boggling 
and Arison was keeping them in games. He was one of the best SHL goaltenders that season. So it really shouldn't come as that much of a surprise that he's a good North American goalie, too. It's just that he was hurt all last year, and that ruined his season. Basically, he was to that Swedish team what Carter Hart is to the Flyers. Yes. Like, oh, yes. number's not great. And it's like, oh, they'd be fucking horrible. Yep. And they were bad. They just would have been like... Yes, they'd like, be truly the worst. like never yeah. win a game bad without him. Uh, I want to get this Bobby Brink thing in. So he's with the Phantoms. He's healthy. He's back. He's working his way. He's back. Bobby's back. Working his way back. Uh, he's played two games and he's scored a goal in each. When's he coming up? Yeah, at some point. I mean, he just came back. I'm not concerned. He's at the very least got to like work himself back into true physical condition to be able to stand up to the NHL, given the fact that he's already small as shit. Um, but I mean, he'll be up. They like him five a lot. eight one sixty five. He's a wee little guy. He'll he'll be up. It's just I don't think he's going to come up tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I and I just I ask like I want him up now because I want to watch Bobby Brink play. He's like yeah. one of the things that was exciting coming into this season. He looked pretty good last year in his ten game stint, four assists. Um, they have so. Speaking of small little guys, sorry, I'm cutting you That's off. Fine. I heard that the youths are now calling Joel Farabee Gumby because he's just a small little guy, and I like. Well, because that. he's so skinny. <laughs> Because he's so skinny. Love it. Love that. The youths. Oh, wait. When you say the youths, do you mean the youths as in the Flyers use, or do you mean the youths on social media? The youths on social okay. media, not the Flyers. That use. works. No, his friends are not calling him Gumby. Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> There's only one Gumby, and it's Clay Condry, goddammit. Um, I forgot that's about I, that one. Only I called him that because his name was Clay. So it was like, obviously so Gumby. Yeah, a little um, made of clay. There you go. I forgot about that The Flyers have... The Flyers have so many wingers and, like, no centers. Who would come out in a Brink call-up situation? Got to be McEwen? I mean, I guess. Or they'll just wait for somebody gets hurt. I mean, yeah, hey, that, wait, Allison. Which, that's know? inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> the next injury. Oh, poor Wade. Should be coming no. next week, the week after. We're close. No, the, no, but you're right. You're right, Bill. The Flyers have a lot of wingers, and this would be the perfect time for an extremely creative GM to come up with a solution here. And that was, like, don't they have to trade someone at some point just to, like, create a lineup that makes fucking sense? Yeah, you would think, but... <laughs> <laughs> I just... It's unbelievable how little this guy does. I wish... Uh, bye, Steph. Steph has to leave us. We bye only guys. have a few minutes left. I'm keeping everyone here hostage because I finally have things to say about this fucking hockey team. Uh, like, what... Charlie, you sit there and write, like, fucking novels about a team that has played the same game over and over for two years, like it's Groundhog's Day, and I commend you for your effort. The general manager does nothing. He literally does fucking nothing. He doesn't negotiate, obviously. He just hands players whatever contracts they want. Oh, no trade, fucking eight years, whatever you want. Like, uh, what, what does he do? I do think that, I mean, there have been a couple times, I will grant him, where he's done some creative things. Like the, the Voracek for Atkinson deal, that was a creative deal. The conditioning stint for Pro Sandstrom is genius. Pro props to you, Chuck. That was a creative deal. I did not think you could get out of Voracek's contract 
while still getting back a useful player. Now, granted, now he might never play again, so who the hell knows, but you know that at the time. I respect that move. However, there have been a lot of players where Chuck has just kind of made the decision just to kind of keep kicking the can down the road. And in fairness, with Travis Konechny, it seems like that's worked. With Ivan Perovarov, it seems like that's backfired. But the, the, the one common thread here is that Chuck, given the opportunity to make a decision on a player, he has generally chooses not to. Like, he just... It, it, I've never seen... At least... You can criticize former GMs, and I do nonstop. At least they did something. Maybe it was you know, butt-fucking-stupid, but they did something. He just waits, and then the player eventually has a career-ending injury. Like, that's that's it. Those The decisions are made for him by God. Like, that's, <laughs> that's all. The only decisions that ever get made are, like, and he needs neck surgery. That's it. They have no centers. And even that takes, like, what, an extra four months? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he'll be back. Oh, no, actually, he passed away. Uh, we didn't even know. We didn't even know for three weeks. I I'm just baffled. Like, And this is all stemming from the Bobby Brink situation. He will be up, and I can't wait, because he's one of the guys I want to find out about. He looked fun last year. But, like, there's not a spot for him. There's play him at defense. I don't know. Like just positionless hockey, baby. There's just so many goddamn wingers, no centers, and no one's doing anything about it. Speaking of one of the awesome wingers, though, just real quick, that fucking Owen Tippett goal last night. Oh baby, Duke can shoot. Oh baby, he can shoot. Remember when that we were puck. like, if these pucks ever start going in, they're going in. <laughs> they're going in. All right. It's real fun. This is something that I know it's one of those times, Charlie, where I have to ask you a question that I know the answer to, but it's asked of me, and I am the representative of the people. I was real happy about the Kiefer Bellows claim. Now it looks like maybe he's just no good, and that's fine. You found out. That's what this season's about, yeah. finding out shit. Yeah. I thought that was a nice move. You lose nothing. It's a waiver claim. Eli Tolvanen gets through waivers, gets to a top 10 team in Seattle. That means if you take Nashville out of the equation, he got through like 21 teams. Um, how's that possible? Yeah, I mean, I get why people are, are frustrated with it. The reason is simple. The Flyers just couldn't have signed him. They didn't have a contract spot because they claimed Kiefer Bellows. It's funny because I believe, I want to look, at, look up this real quick. I want to look up the timing here. Because, so what, he was placed on waivers on December 11th, so he was claimed on the 12th. So then, that was when that happened, and yes, so that happened on December 11th, December 12th. Then a week later, the Flyers did open up a contract spot because Lucas Sedlak quit the NHL. <laughs> so had Lucas quit a week earlier, maybe they could have claimed Ely Tolvanen. Yeah, I just, I thought it was funny. And it's uh, the only reason I, you know, because we've, we were told he was ours and then it was Morgan Frost. That's the only reason I even cared. And he's very clearly um, a better player, at least than Keeper Bellows. Three goals, two assists in six games with Seattle. 
Um, they just, like, the roster is at 23. They're maxed out at 50 contracts. I understand. It's just something that has been asked of me a couple of times. I thought I'd do it. You got anything else here, Charlie? No, I think we kind of ran through pretty much everything about this team. They're, right, they're at least us. interesting again. There's stuff to talk yeah, about. It's all I asked We for. just did. They actually have shit to talk about, which is, it's something. Content, baby. Uh, and if you want some of this content, all you got to do is hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom. Broad Street Hockey, fly perbole. Post games whenever they become regular again. Maybe next week. I got some time. I actually got some time coming. All right, yeah, that is all the time we have for you this week, though. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. I already did the podcast spiel, but hey, subscribe to The Athletic. Do it. Yeah. It's good shit. It's good shit. All right, my name is Bill Matz. For uh, Kelly wasn't here, for Steph, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show freaking rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.